Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. We will be turning to Psalms 23 today. Amen. Thank you, Brother Malone, for leading us through all the different announcements and things that is going on. Uh, and listen, sometimes that can feel very uh, peculiar as you're this announcement, that announcement, that announcement. But he does it so well, so well. And I miss him so much whenever he's gone, whether it be trip or sickness or whatever. He does such a great job. Amen. And I appreciate him. Amen. Doing that for service after service, um, just because like with anything like that, whenever you do it service after service, yeah, it's a skill that kind of gets perfected, but it can also, if you don't watch it, become mundane, and yet he tries to be fresh with it and so on and so forth, and so I thank him for that. It's not an easy task by no means, and so I appreciate him for that. Amen. I'd much rather him be here to do it than to do it and then to preach, and that just because it allows my mind just to stay focused on one thing, and uh, so I appreciate you. You say, well, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. It is to me. If it's to nobody else, it's a big deal to me. And so I want him to know I appreciate him. And then uh, this, this uh, last night was the first night that we used the, the van that we purchased, new to us van, I should say. Uh, last night was the first, the maiden voyage uh, of that van. And um, for preparations, I finally I got it inspected on uh, Thursday, and the place I usually go for inspection, they were closed for repairs, so I had to drive further to go get it inspected, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it was ready, except there was still some lettering on there, and so I took it by uh, Brother Fred and, and said, they were going to use this Saturday, and you know, whatever you can do, and he ended up having all the letters off of it. It looked like they never were even there, and you, you could maybe find it. I know his eye could because he's just, you know, he can find it, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, uh, nonetheless, it looks a whole lot better than what it did, amen, for it, and I thank him today for taking time out of his life, for doing that, making that look good, you know, he wouldn't have to, I mean, I just took it over there to a shop so that in between things, maybe he could, you know, do something with it, and I don't know if he had time or he made time, I would probably guess knowing Freddie, he made time. And uh, nonetheless, I appreciate that wholeheartedly. And so, uh, again, just something else, you know, I, I didn't have to touch or do or so on and so forth. And that is a great benefit. Amen to me. I know you're standing. I'm sorry. Psalms 23 and verse number four. But it's important to give thanks. It's important to give thanks and show gratitude and, and such. So Psalms 23, verse 4, just going to read one verse, and then you will be seated as we are uh, in the, the shepherd psalm or Psalms 23 that most many perhaps are familiar with. The Bible says this, uh, the psalm is speaking, which we know to be David here for this particular psalm. Not every psalm is written by David. There's some written by the sons of Korah, and there are different ones uh, that are attributed to different uh, individuals. But he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. 
And I want to talk this morning a little while about comfort in the valley. Comfort in the valley. Has anybody ever walked through a valley? Have you ever felt like it was the valley of the shadow of death? Amen. Well, comfort in the valley today. Father, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful, Lord, to be in your house. God, we're grateful, Lord, one more time. God, to go to your word and find, Lord Jesus, guidance and instruction for our lives. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us now, Lord Jesus. God, strengthen us, Lord. Give us direction, Lord, and even guidance, Lord, as our shepherd this morning. God, in the different things of life that we face. And we'll not fail to thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. So glad to have Jennifer with us again this morning. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Amen. Sitting beside the renowned Sister Cox. Amen. We're so glad that they are both here today. Amen. In God's house. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, we have talked about in previous lessons leading up to this one that, that the shepherd and the sheep... Uh, course have a lot of time that they spend around the home ranch or the home front that there are pastures there that have been well maintained by the shepherd in order for the sheep to have something uh, to eat but the fact of the matter is this they will not and should not really stay in that location forever uh, because as we looked at last week uh, sheep have a tendency that if they're in just one pasture they can gnaw the grass down uh, even to where the roots of the ground are damaged. And so that is the reason why a shepherd moves them in right paths and right directions from pasture to pasture, place to place, uh, so that there will be a replenishing of the ground that they had been on while they're eating in another pasture that is good and needful uh, for them as well. And so as the shepherd leads his sheep from these different paths, and as it is essential for him to move them to different paths, uh, they will return home at some point in time whenever it's had time to replenish and when it's had time to renew and so typically during the winter months and the spring months are spent around the home front around the home ranch where the shepherd uh, you know lives where his location is and where uh, the sheep would call home but it is during the months of summer and a few of the months of the autumn or the fall that they will be led, the flock will be led as a flock from those lower elevations to higher elevations. They, they will go to some of the higher ranges, even some mountainous terrain to find pasture because once the snow has, has uh, you know, melted and evaporated from those areas and weather has gotten warmer, there are some lush green areas up there that can be taken advantage of as well and they can stay there in those high ranges and high locations until snow begins up to appear again in the higher elevations and on the peaks and then they will retreat to the lower ones back home but again that time away allows home to replenish and renew and so you begin to think you're taking Let's say they say that a flock of about 75 sheep is about the number that a single or solitary shepherd would be able to maintain, which is really interesting because I know in growing up, they always said about a group of 75 people was about all that one pastor should really be able to handle just as a pastor without any other staffing or so on and so forth. So that's kind of interesting to see that comparison that uh, 75 sheep is all that a shepherd can probably handle. And they say 75 people is about all 
all uh, a, a pastor, one man, that is, should be able to handle. But nonetheless, you're taking these 75 up to a higher ground, up to a higher plain or a mountainous area. And so you might ask, how is the best way to reach the top of the mountain? How can you get this whole flock to the higher ground? And I'm leading you to the answer that you already know that's provided in the scripture. You guessed it. It's through the valley. Through the valley. Uh, any, any, you, anybody that's been around mountains or hills of that nature and you look at them, there are these trenches and gulches in the mountain that lead virtually from the top down to the bottom where, where the snow caps have melted and the water has ran every year over time, eroding and creating a path on the mountain from the top to the bottom. And it is these very, these very ravines and gulches that a shepherd will lead his sheep up to the high higher places because they are a path to the top. And so the valley is used. It's hard for us to consider and really think that the valley is the path to the top and it will be used then in the fall as the path to return home. And if a, a sheep could actually process what's taking place, it, it, it would know that any time it finds itself in a valley that it's either headed to higher ground or it's on its way back home. Amen. If it, if it knew the, the whole dynamics of everything, it would know that. But we understand as real people, don't we? As sheep of his pasture, so to speak, we find it difficult to interpret our valley. I don't know anybody I've ever talked to that I can recall that was in a valley of whatever type. And you said, Pastor, I just realized that the Lord's just taking me to higher ground, you know. I never met somebody that was going through some type of valley and said, I just feel like the Lord's leading me back home, you know. Never. Never. No, no, they're, they're dealing with the, the shadows that are being cast there. They feel like they're living in gross darkness. They, they feel a little uh, confused and don't, don't feel like they are in the right place or feel like they deserve where they are. Right? All these different things come to bear. Amen. But, but we may at that moment be failing to see where our shepherd is taking us and all we can see is where we are, but not where we're going. The valley was not a place for a residence for the sheep. The valley was a transitionary place, either to higher ground or back home. But we get caught up as sheep thinking this is where we are. Yeah, but that's not where you're always going to be. This is a transitionary area to somewhere where he wants you to be. Amen. And so that was the purpose of the valleys that the shepherd took, the sheep were. And so we, we do, right? I, I've been at different places of our travels around uh, mountains and such, and there are just some places in the ravines and the valleys of mountains where the sunlight does not reach. Because of the shadowing of the peaks, the sunlight does not Reach. I've, I've been in some of the, the hollers of, of northeast Kentucky and south uh, Ohio, and I have been there, and I had friends that lived out in what you would call the hollers there, and we go to their houses, and there's been times whenever there's been a transition from spring or from rather from, from winter to spring that you'll go out there. The temperature is well hot enough to melt any ice and melt any snow, but you know what is where they live because they live 
live in the shadow of a valley, there's still snow on the ground, although it's 70 degrees outside. I'm telling you the truth. 70 degrees outside, there's still snow on the ground from winter because of the shadow that's in the valley. The shadow that's in the valley. And so there's that shading, right? There's that shading that takes place. The sun's shining, right? Here's the important thing to remember as a sheep. If there's a shadow, there's a light somewhere. You don't don't have a shadow without light. So if there is a shadow, there is a light somewhere. And so the shadow of the mountain peaks oftentimes then will shade the valley and it seems to prevent the light from penetrating uh, that snow. But whenever we talk about like sheep like for us as well the shadow here's what we got to understand because th- that valley is a transitionary area right you're, you're not staying there you're transitioning you're walking as he said yea though I walk right I walk through those, those two words are important walk through huh? walk through sometimes against the leadership of the shepherd we stay put in <laughs> but the, 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 the objective is walk through. Walk through the, the valley of the shadow. And sometimes we're, we're, we got to realize that wherever we're at in the valley, if there's the shadow that's being cast, here's what we got to come to terms with in our mind based upon the scripture of the word of God. That the shadow that you may be walking through today will be the mountaintop you're standing on tomorrow. Because that shadow is a result of this higher place, huh? That's up there that's casting the shadow. So the shadow you're walking through today will be the mountaintop you might be standing on tomorrow. And the only way to gain that higher ground is that you got to climb through, walk through, make it through the valley. It is the best way. It's the best way. Now, unless you're some skilled rock climber and you know how to repel and you know how to have all the gear and you can go up some steep, steep, steep side of a mountain, you go on and do that. But most people don't have that type of skill. They, they sometimes have trouble walking, let alone climbing. Amen. And so they're going to walk, amen, if they can, although there's still some degrees of, of, of incline, they're going to walk to the valley. But that is the best way to reach the top. And so we ask them, people, man, we talk about mountaintop experiences. Oh, yeah, I I want one of those. Well, listen, if you want the mountaintop experience, you're going to have to walk through some valleys to get there. Amen. You're going to have to walk through some valleys to get there. But the valley is not the destination. The valley is not the destination. The valley is the means. It's the conduit. It's the path to the goal. It's the path to the goal. And that perspective sometimes is our only saving grace to understand where I am is just, it's a highway to get me to where I'm going. Where, you know, I've been on northern Louisiana, man, some of the worst roads in the United States. Northern Louisiana, hate it. We, we, most, most things came jarbled and, and hurt in our travel trailer in the north, north roads of Indiana. Interstates. North interstates of, of, of Louisiana. Amen. I heard our trailer more than anything. And the only saving grace I had was there's just 100 more miles we're on this road. 
Huh? Or there's just 50 more miles left on this road. I popped tires on that road, everything else on those roads. And it's just consolation known. It's not the destination. It's just getting me to where I need to be. I can handle trouble for 50 miles if I know that I'm going to make it at the end of the 50. I can handle some hardships, amen, some fear, some trepidation for just another day or two if I know that I'm walking through this. I'm going through this. I'm not staying. I'm not. There's no mailbox going up here. Right? We know though some, some peaks take longer to reach than others. So some valor is going to be longer than others. But the end destination is the same. We can, we can be overwhelmed by the valley dynamic sometime until we understand it's just a transition phase to something better or perhaps in our descent of returning back home amen and so these these things are great because those caps have melted snow caps have melted and they've created these passageways upon the mountains so with that being said the sheep can go up this path these valleys and ravines and gulches the sheep can ascend up these trails to higher plains because something descended down that way first They can go up this because something came down this first. The reason why I like that, that thought or that concept is because that is true to Christianity. That is true too with our walks with the Lord. Because we are on a journey now. We are on a journey now. And our journey now in a literal and also figurative type way, we are on a journey from a lower elevation to a higher elevation. We're on a journey, hopefully, Sister Cox, from earth to heaven, so to speak. But we can make the trip because something descended first. (laughs) We can have a path to follow because a path was created. Because someone came from heaven to earth to begin with. Christ said over and over again in the gospel of John. He said that I came down from heaven. You see that phrase over and over again in the gospel of John. I came down from heaven. And so he came down to where we presently are. So that we would have a path to go up to where he came from. He descended and that allows us a path for ascending as a matter of fact you see this pictured also in the old testament you see this pictured in the layout of the tabernacle of the old testament whenever you read in exodus 25 that it begins to relate to us uh, the layout of the tabernacle and the furnishings of the tabernacle and you see this reoccur even in some of the old testament scriptures when you see this it does not begin this is the way that our minds would probably work if you're going to describe the layout of the tabernacle You're probably going to describe the altar and then the laver and you're going to describe the candlestick and the table of shoe bread and then the altar of incense and then that innermost place where the Ark of the Covenant was, right? From outer court to holy place, holy. that's probably, but that's not the way that Scripture describes it. It's not the way Scripture, Scripture starts with the Ark of the Covenant. You read Exodus 25, it starts with the innermost place, the Ark of the Covenant, and then it works This is just my mind. It works backwards out of there. 
It works backwards out there and goes to the, the, the altar of incense and, and then the, the, the table of shoe bread and the candlestick and then the laver and then back out here at the, uh, the, the brazen altar and then it describes the door to that outer court. It goes backwards, so to speak. But in reality, it is nothing more but a very purposeful order in my estimation because I believe the writer was conveying to us because that ark is revered as the very presence of God that mankind could not approach the holiness of God. Mankind could not approach the spirit of God in that innermost place had not God first came to mankind. And so I believe it starts in that innermost place and works its way out because had God never come down in the fashion of a man and made himself of no reputation, I would never be able to inherit heaven as my home. I would never have a path that would be etched, if you will, in time to follow of repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost because he had to descend to create the path for us to ascend someday. So that initial description to us, in my estimation, is him creating a passageway for our ascent. And because he came down, we can go up. Just as the sheep go up the valley, it's because something came down and created a path for them to enable them to go up. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, I'm glad that David didn't just leave it at that and then go on and start saying some other things. But he kind of gave us the reason why he will not fear any evil. Hmm. You know, it's like, so I'm not afraid. And you, in the back of your mind, you're saying, why aren't you afraid? You know, because like you feel afraid, right? And so he says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Now, there's a transition. I don't know if you pick up on it, but there's a transition that happens here in the psalm right at this juncture. There's a transition that begins to take place. Because for the first half of the psalm, David is talking about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me. He's talking about the shepherd. But right here he transitions to not talking about the shepherd. He's talking to the shepherd. Mm. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff. He prepares a table. Thou preparest. He's talking to the shepherd. Can I say in every sheep's life, there needs to be a transition from where you go into talking about him to talking to him. Amen. Needs to be a transition. And so he says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thou art with me. The shepherd is with with me. We've, we've looked at in past lessons already how just the presence of a shepherd brings a calmness over his flock or simply his voice being heard in, in earshot of them brings a calmness over the flock or a touch of his hand or, or something brings a calmness to his flock. Listen, the shepherd, whenever you know that God is present, huh? when you know that God is present, there just comes a sense of an unlading of a burden to know that he is there. 
man, this morning, uh, I, I felt it this morning as we had so many different prayer cloths that we prayed for today, which is biblical count in the book of Acts. They did. They, they poured, they pulled raiments of their clothing, their garment. They prayed over them. They sent them out. And the Bible says that the sick were healed, that even unclean spirits departed. Uh, listen. Whenever my mind starts to think, then this is kind of exciting, but whenever my mind starts to think about a prayer class going to someone that was possessed of unclean spirits and they got it and the spirits went. I'm telling you. But, but, but they did that. But as, as Brother Malone and I was praying over those this morning, and, and man, I just felt something because, you know, the Bible says we're, we're two or three agree. And I, I felt like as Brother Malone and I was praying today, you know, he wasn't just over there mincing words and just doing something as a formality. I, I felt like there was some type of agreement as we prayed this morning. And I felt that third chord, right? Right? Because a three-fold chord is not quickly broken. I felt that third chord, amen, come. The presence of the, I felt him come down. And so I wasn't fearing about these people and what they were facing and what they were troubled by because I felt the Lord was with us. I felt like there was a divine, presence that came down and said I'm just going to let you know that I'm here too. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So thou art with me. Here, you, you need to mark this passage. I'm going to read it to you today, but you need to mark this passage in your Bible from the Psalms. If you ever need encouragement, you're down, you're out, you feel alone, your valley seems longer than what you deserve, read Psalms, right? Because David is the encourager. I mean, and I, part and parcel while David's probably that, the Bible says whenever he went back to Ziklag and the whole city was burned with fire and his own soldiers and men were talking about stoning him and taking his life because his wives were gone, their wives were gone. He's their leader, but they're putting all the blame on him and they're like going to stone him. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so I think he understood how much encouragement meant. And so in the Psalms, he says, I'm going to write some things because I know how it was to encourage myself and so I'm going to pin some things so I can encourage somebody else Psalms 121 this is a powerful psalm you need to mark this in your Bible for difficult dark times for encouragement mark it in your Bible write it down I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth because that sets him aside from all others. Huh? That's the reason why Jesus taught his disciples. He said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. Right? This, this, which made, he's the creator, which made heaven and earth. And if he is a creative God, listen, it's not that's like something he did in Genesis and then he tucked his creative power away. He still has creative power. That's how he can take a mass, remove it, and restore that he still has that creative power. Verse three, he will not, this is your God. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Right, we talked about even that with the aspect of the shepherd, right? He's not like getting a lot of rest. His mind is on the sheep. He's the door to the sheepfold. Whenever they're out and about, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. Right? So don't worry. Don't worry. Say, man, I didn't get much sleep last night. I was worrying. Well, why should, why should 
to not get sleep. God's already not slumbering because of it. Huh? You need to look at the person next to you the next time and say, why don't you just go on to sleep? There's no sense you and God being up. Amen? He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He that keepeth Israel. He's not going to do that. The Bible says in verse 4, the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Right? What was he for the children of Israel in their Old Testament wilderness wanderings? A cloud by day, fire by night. Now, I realize that's great for guidance that you can see, but that's also great just on a very practical sense that he could provide shade in the desert during the day and warmth in the cool desert nights. Amen. Verse 7, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Preserve thee. Doesn't mean you won't face evil. Doesn't mean you won't walk through the valley. But he will be your preservation in the middle of it. Huh? He'll preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve. This is utmost important thy soul. Right? What David said back a few verses, he restoreth my. Uh huh. This is the thing. More so than your body is your soul. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy, I mean, this is our preservative God. Hallelujah. The Lord, if you don't like preservatives, watch out because God has them. He's going to preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. Be encouraged today. Fear no evil, for he is with thee. Again, again, it's not that you're not going to encounter evil. Evil's still going to come. And I'm not trying to, you know, take you to the mountain, drop you off the cliff, but I'm telling you... <laughs> Evil's still going to come, nonetheless. It's part of the makeup of life. But he'll preserve you. He'll preserve you. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse 19, I'm trying to keep track of time here. Isaiah 59 verse 19, so shall they fear, not evil, but they shall fear, and this is all a respect, a reverence, the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, which is from the east, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, what's that mean? It means the enemy will come. It's, I mean, it's going to come like a flood sometimes. And some of y'all says, I know exactly what you're talking about. When it rains, it pours. Huh? I mean, like if I knew ahead of time, I'd been building an ark like Noah. Right? Because some of y'all, only thing you know is like, <laughs> I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking I had some uncles and aunts that were smokers back when I was young, and they were, you, you know, the term chain smokers. They like one cigarette off the cigarette that is almost done, and some of y'all face trouble like that. It's like one trouble's finishing up, and another one's lit off that one. <laughs> you don't got chain smoking, you got chain trouble. Huh? <laughs> My... <laughs> My uncle, he said, I think I'll go outside and burn one. And some of you believe Satan saying, I think I'm going to burn another trouble over there for him. Someone's saying, you need a trouble patch. (laughs) 
No, they got a pill for that. No, you need a trouble patch, you know. Chain trouble going on. But he's going to come in like a, but the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So we live much of our life with, 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 with trouble and with a standard, with opposition and with the solution. Huh? With, with, with uh, temptation and a way to escape. We live most of our lives right in the vortex of the trouble and the help. Are you serious? We really do. We live in a world where it is not if the enemy comes, but when the enemy comes. Right? It's when he comes. And our consolation is that thou art with me. The shepherd will go to bat for us. He's with us. Isaiah 54, 17 said it like this. It says, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And we all times say, and I reiterate, it never said no weapon shall be formed. But that no weapon that is formed shall prosper. Why? He will become your preservation. You might feel the edge of it. You might see it. It might trouble your emotions. There could be, you might, there's a lot of dynamics that can happen with it. Amen. But it's not going to ultimately prosper in your life. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness, God says, is of me, saith the Lord. Amen. We sing the song. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Huh? (laughs) But we wouldn't be able to sing that song if there wasn't a fight to be had or darkness that was encroaching. It happens. He says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There's a few reasons why a sheep or sheep may find comfort in the rod and in the staff. Now, the rod of the shepherd is primarily used for defense, for his own defense and for the defense of the sheep. The head of the rod that they typically carried in that day was kind of like a rounded head. And interestingly enough, the rounded part of that rod was made from the knot that was in a piece of wood or the hard bulb that was in the ground of a piece of wood. And sometimes the shepherd would make implementations on this rounded head and he would even pound at times sharp rock or even metal into that hardened portion of that piece of wood. And he could, if need be, throw the head of that. Of course, it's attached to the long stick, but he could throw that at predators that were coming in to try to take advantage of the sheep and of the lamb. And so it was a tool of defense for the sheep. It was also, though, could be used as a tool of correction, of correction. We see this in Scripture as correction for the sheep. Uh, Interestingly enough, and this is just me, this is McGee thinking here, but whenever I consider that the head of that rod is made from like a knot, and so I just did a little looking up, you know, what is a knot? You know, like I'm some idiot. You, anybody ever dealt with a knot in wood? Tried to put a nail through it? It's kind of difficult. Even whenever you get to sawing, there, there's a little slowdown of the blade that happens right there. Because at the knot, they say it's such a dense area of wood, but the grain is in no per se direction. It's in all types of directions at the knot. Usually you're cutting either against the grain or with the grain. 
and but at the knot, there's grain is in all multi directions, right? It, it, in other words, when you're trying to cut through a knot or hammer a knot, you're going against the grain. <laughs> you, you are going against the grain because it's in so many, so many directions. And that's why a knot is difficult to, to cut through. But if you think about that as going against the grain, that same thing that is against the grain can also be used as a tool of correction for a sheep that's going against the grain. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting that, that this thing is going to be used as a, a means of instruction for a lamb or even for our lives that may be going a little bit against the grain or from the direction that it ought to be going. And we see this, this picture of the rock throughout Scripture. Whenever you read that the Lord called Moses to be the deliverer of the children of Israel, what did he ask Moses? He said, Moses, what is that you have in your hand? What did Moses say? said, Rod, what was Moses before he was the deliverer? He's a shepherd. He tended the sheep of his father-in-law on the backside of a desert for for some 40 years. He says, a rod. And when you follow the the, the use of the rod in Moses' life with the deliverance of the children of Israel, what do you see? The rod was used and aided in turning the water into blood. The rod helped bring the frogs out of the water onto the land. The, water, the rod was used and instrumental in bringing lice out of the dust of the land. The rod, in each of these episodes, you're, it's, it's there. It's being utilized. The rod was used for the hailstorm that fell that took the cattle and the beasts and anybody that would have been out in it. The rod was used in order to bring the locusts, the plagues, in order to bring the locusts up on the land. Amen. And all these notes. What is What's going on? Judgment is happening. Hmm? Judgment is happening. And the same rod, a shepherd's rod, because Moses was a shepherd, was held in the air whenever they fought one of their first battles, whenever they were going to the promised land against the the Amalekites or the Amalekites, whichever you prefer to say. And the Bible says that Moses had his hand and his rod as he sat on that rock, Aaron on one side, her on the other, helping keep his hands up. And as long as that rod was up, The Israelites were winning against the Amalekites. But when it began to fall, then they would begin to lose. All of this is pictured in the rod. Not only that, Aaron likewise had a rod. The Bible says that the people looked at Aaron and they thought, you know, he really didn't deserve this position of high priesthood, that there's others that deserve that just as equally as well as he did. But unlike anyone else, when all the different chiefs of the tribes presented their rods and Aaron presented his, and they laid them, the Bible says, in before the Ark of the Covenant, that in the morning, Aaron's rod was the only rod that budded. It had flowers. It had almond nuts on it. Out of all... And listen, this is a rod that's giving produce when it's been cut off from the earth. I mean, this is virtually dead wood, but it's blossoming. And that was to be an emblem of what? That was to be an emblem that Aaron is the man with the authority to be the high priest for the nation of Israel. And that's important because that authority of being high priest, amen, atonement for the nation of Israel came through his role and his position. So it was an emblem of authority. That brings comfort to the sheep. Not just that it's a tool of defense for them, and we'll look at this in just a little bit, but also it's a tool of correction for them. That brought comfort to them. I 
would dare to say that comfort's probably more so hindsight. <laughs> Amen. Because most people don't realize how discipline is benefiting them until it has. Right? The kids grow up and are out of the house and they look back on those times. See, like, you know what? They, they did right. Mom and dad, yep, they were right. It don't usually happen, and I don't ever remember it, and I've had plenty of rods. Listen, more rods than the other four, I guarantee you. They made new rods for me. But I never remember once thinking this is, I, this, I feel very comforted by this. But today in retrospect, I see that was exactly necessary because, you know, when the Bible says, man, I'm all away from my notes today. The Bible says to train up a child in the way it should go when it is old, it will not depart from it. Train up a child. And a lot of what the scripture conveys is that every child has a predisposed tendency. Certain direction. And it is the responsibility of the parent to hone that predisposed tendency and direct it appropriately. Because, again, you can have something very negative, but use, I, I said this a few weeks ago, and used in or directed in the right direction that could be very positive. Like stubborn, I think stubbornness was the thing that I kind of threw out there. You know, you can have a pre, predisposed stubborn kid, right, and it could be used in a negative aspect, or you can, a parent can help direct that to use that to their overall benefit. And so you train up a child because they have these pre... Brother Mason, we know, even from everything you've talked before, there are some things that are, are nature and there are some things that are nurture. And so there's some nature part of us that parents are used to direct and guide. And sometimes that requires authority and some discipline and guidance. Amen? And so all this is very important. It was the rod even that Jonathan... Uh, Saul's son, that it was the rod that he plucked into the honeycomb and brought to his mouth, and it brought sweetness of honey to his mouth and it enlightened him. All of this is aided by the rod. I told you, I think even a few weeks ago, that the rod many times was even used, that the wool would get long upon the lambs, and they could use the rod to kind of separate the wool to look for disease or defects or wounds, uh, because if not, the wool can be pulled over your eyes. I mean, literally and figuratively. I mean, you, you got to use these things to probe the wool. The rod was not the more but an extension of whatever hand had it did you hear me the rod was just an extension of whose ever hand had it your rod comforts me because it is that it's your rod my shepherd's it's an extension that though he may be defending or correcting or whatever it is an extension it's an extension of him extension of his hand it was a reed like a rod given to john the revelator in the book of revelation that was used for measuring the house of god and the altars and them that worship therein the rod sizes is up and we need that look what the bible says and i'll try not to well here real long but long enough proverbs 3 and verse 11 it says my son despise not the chastening of the lord neither be weary of his correction for whom the lord loveth he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. And so we know this, right? We're, we're not formed to this, but don't despise the chastening. 
because in the chastening is the love of the Lord. What, what are you doing, Lord, with your correction? What are you doing, Lord? I am loving you to leave you to yourself and to leave you to your own ways, which we looked at, right? Other scriptures talking about the paths of righteousness, our own ways. There's a way that seemeth right in the man, but the end thereof is destruction, right? It's not in man to order his own steps. Because if I leave you to your own ways, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And so the accurate picture of correction is portrayed here in Scripture. And and, uh, it's a shame that in today's age we got to say this. But it isn't to hurt you, right? It's not for your demise. We're not advocating physical abuse. But it ought to be comforting. He has our welfare in mind. Brian McGee, I just don't know about all that stuff. Can I just run through a few scriptures real quick? Just, just, I mean, some that maybe people skip over and forget about. Let me just, and they're not going to be up there. I'm just hitting the phrases here. Psalms 89, 32. Then will I visit their transgression with the rod. Proverbs 10, 13. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, but the rod of correction shall drive it. The it that's being referred to as foolishness far from him. Proverbs 23, verse 13, withhold not correction from the child for if thou beatest him with the rod. And again, this, the word beatest there is not advocating abuse. He shall not die. Proverbs 23, 14, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 26, 3, a rod is for the fool's back. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Everybody that doesn't advocate as a child of God that we should receive correction from the Lord, sorry. And every parent that doesn't believe they should correct their child, sorry. I am not, I'm not political or anything, but we're living in a world today that we are reaping in our present society a generation that lack discipline in the home. And so we, we need that. And so the rod, it's used as a deterrent. For the sheep, it's used as a deterrent to something that might have been life-threatening. Right? It's used as an instructional tool. Because here's the fact of the matter. It was often more beneficial for the lamb to receive the instruction of the rod or the judgment of the rod than what the outcome of their choice would have been. Hmm? Amen. The Bible says in Ezekiel 20 and verse 37, and I will cause the Lord says to pass under you to pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Passing under the rod was a phrase that was used for describing the counting of the sheep. The rod was used in counting the sheep. They would go through and for separating them one, two, he would verify that he had all that was his. He would verify his numbers. So a sheep coming under a shepherd's rod knew that sheep knew they were entering the tabulation of what was considered his. And I want to pass under the rod because I want that considered. I want to be his. I want to pass under that. I want to be his fold and a part of his covenant. And then the staff, he said, also comforts us. Usually has a crooked end on one end, but the staff was iconic for identifying shepherds. So if you've seen the staff, 
There is a shepherd near. Amen. It was iconic for identifying shepherds. Amen. And so how comforting it is to see one. The staff was used to lift newborn lambs. Amen. Up to their mothers, avoid, avoiding the, the order of... Uh, odor of human hands getting on them and possible rejection of its mother it was used amen for bringing the small lamb to its mother it was a tool to to rescue a lamb that was camp compromised or that was over an edge and it brought them back to safety it was a tool of guidance for all of these sometimes it would use the staff just to apply a little bit of pressure on the sheep to go Maybe a, a direction that needed to go. Just, just a little pressure. Just a little pressure. You can stand with me. This morning I'm coming to a close. Sometimes shepherds inscribe their name on their staffs. The owner's name was inscribed upon the staff. And so to be touched by the staff was to be touched, moved, or pressured by his name. And sheep, I know there's wool, but when you get to the skin, they're thin-skinned creatures. They're thin-skinned creatures. And so that thin-skinnedness, if I can call it that, that's poor whenever it comes to the ability of getting hurt, right? <laughs> thin-skinned get hurt easily. So that's poor when it comes to getting hurt. But the trade-off is this. That's great for the fact that they can then be sensitive to a touch. On one hand, it's like, oh, that's horrible because thin skin, you're going to get hurt. At the same time, it shouldn't mean that we're sensitive to a touch. And it's the prayer that all times I pray, oh, God, you know, help me to be sensitive to your spirit. I guess I'm asking him to make my, thin, my skin more thin. Or maybe take back a few layers of the wool so I can feel it. Huh? And everything that collects in the wool, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe that's the reason why some people are not sensitive to his touch because everything they've allowed to collect. Folks, these are black holes. We can just keep talking about this stuff. I'm just telling you, okay. Just keep talking about it. Amen. But there is comfort then to be found in the valley this morning. If we embow our heads all across this place, and we're going to open these altars this morning for prayer, for you to pray, for you to talk with the Lord. There could be someone here this morning that says, Pastor McGee, I'm going through, through such a valley that you have described today. I'm going through what seems to me the valley of the shadow of death. I'm, I'm not dying, but there are just so many things right now that's swirling around my life. There, there is just one situation, then, then there's another situation. If I don't have one, I have five going on. And as soon as it seems as though I could get my breath, something else takes my breath because it's waiting on me. It's another problem, another situation, something else that is just not going right. But I remind you this morning that the valley is just a transition period, a transition area to higher ground or for you to return back home. And you have nothing to fear. For God is with you. He'll be that shade on your right hand so that the sun will not smite you. He will be that standard that he'll raise against 
the enemy that's coming in like a flood he will he will preserve thee as scripture admonishes over and over again and he'll use all of the tools within his toolbox all of the tools within his his his, his array of of instrumentation to help and to provide and to lighten and to preserve and to make a way of escape if you need that type of shepherd today he is here he is here to adopt you into his fold. He is here to allow you to cross under the rod and count you as his own. Hallelujah today. Maybe someone is in that place that you've talked about God and you've talked about him to other people and you've discussed him within your family. But maybe it's been a while since you talked to God. Maybe you need that transition today to from talking about him to talking to him. Maybe maybe you need to find that spot, amen, of re, re-firing and rekindling the conversation with the shepherd this morning. Today would be a good day to do that today would be a tremendous day to strike up conversation with him and not just about him today hallelujah this altar is open amen as many as would we can come to these altars today amen for the lord is our shepherd i i'm going to claim him and i want him to claim me as his own hallelujah hallelujah fear not the arrow that flyeth by nay amen or the terror that would come by night hallelujah you can find a secret place in the Lord. You can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, I need you, Jesus, just as they spoke in the Old Testament of letting God arise when they spoke of the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. And his enemies be scattered. I pray that prayer here this morning. Arise, oh God, in this place. Arise, oh God, in this house. God, and let your adversaries and Lord, the the contention and the opposition, God, that would be against you, let it scatter. Let it depart, God, seven ways I pray oh Lord today let your name be exalted God let your role be exalted in the life of your people this morning we need you Lord thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC Thank you and have a blessed day.